Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Green estate in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Coach, that's Blackbeard's in. I'm going to put you in his room. I'm sure he won't mind. He? Captain Blackbeard. No one can see you except me. I'm a kind of a ghost, you know. I want nothing to do with you. Hey, what do you think you're doing? I've a mind to have a hand at the hell. Oh, oh. No! Your driver's license, please. You want your lads to win, don't you? I can teach you how to do it. Forget it! Are we looking for somebody? Blackbeard's ghost. You certainly do have a problem. Got a problem, I've got a problem. Does it strike you as odd that sooner or later all our track coaches seem to crack up? <laughs> they could hang me for what I think of you now. Didn't I tell you to keep your hands off of my boys? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets. And joining me once again from Parts Unknown. <laughs> uh, I'm Kyra Hawkins, and I'm in Oklahoma. Hi, Kyra. Not totally unknown. <laughs> from an undisclosed from an undisclosed bunker location. <laughs> I'm not a bunker person. <laughs> oh, this will be a good episode. I can already tell. <laughs> All right. Yes, especially compared to last week's episode, this is going to be a whole lot better episode. We are here to discuss a movie that was released February the eighth, nineteen sixty-eight. So we are almost out of the sixties. It is so hard to believe. It's taken 97, 98 episodes to get us this far. And now it seems like we're we're snowballing. We're just going to take out a whole city sometime. And that whole city might actually be Godolphin. Just the weirdest city name I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. But that is, that is a... Well, I'm not going to say that is a place because sometimes Disney does weird things with city names. Blackbeard's Ghost made $21.5 million, so definitely a little bit more than the saddest millionaire. <laughs> That's $178 million in today's money, which is definitely nothing to sneeze about. Yep, that would be a pretty good opening. And this one actually starred our second knight, British knight. We had Peter Ustinoff in this movie. Playing the titular character. And that is the first time that I've ever used the word titular. <laughs> How's it feel? Feels good. <laughs> so, um, I didn't realize it until I was a little bit into the movie. Um, but Peter Ustinov is the voice of Prince John in Robin Hood. Which, of course, made me even more excited to watch this movie. Horrible movie. Would not recommend it. One out of five. 
We, hey, we are getting closer and closer, so I don't know what you're going to do after we get past Prince John and Robin Hood. I'm probably going to need to take a week off. Oh, I think we might be able to arrange that. We'll see. <laughs> we, we, we might need a moment of silence for the passing of... So, had you ever heard and or seen Blackbeard's ghost? Either the actual ghost or this movie? I have never seen the actual Blackbeard's ghost, the ghost of the actual Blackbeard. Um, I have never heard of this movie. I had never seen this movie. Hmm. Okay. Were you familiar with Blackbeard? Yes. I mean, not like extensively, but yes. I've I, I heard of him. <laughs> you are familiar with the tale of, of Blackbeard? No, I just know the name. Okay. I, I just know Blackbeard was a scary pirate. Yes, and he is actually, I want to say he that my family is related to him just because his last name is Teach, has T-E-A-C-H, which my last name is Teats, which may be a derivation somewhere thereof. I'm probably far out in the middle of the Atlantic in that assumption, but a man can dream. I want to have a pirate in my, in my background. And I don't know why I just did that accent. <laughs> All right. Well, it's let's... What were you going to say? Oh, I said it's for fun. It's for fun, yes. All right. So, synopsis, which comes to us, as always, from Wikipedia, is a little something like, Steve Walker arrives in a New England seacoast fictional town called Godolphin to take the position of track coach at Godolphin College. The night of his arrival coincides with a charity bazaar hotel where he will be boarding, Blackbeard's Inn, named after the notorious English pirate Captain Edward Teach, and now run by the Daughters of the Buccaneers, elderly descendants of the pirate's crew. The inn has been built from timbers of ships that have been run aground in the bay. The owners are attempting to pay off their new mortgage to keep the inn from being bought by a local crime boss, Silky Seymour who wants to put, build a casino on the land. Steve quickly discovers his track team shortcomings and runs afoul of the Dean of Godolphin College, its football coach, Ann Seymour. He also makes the acquaintance of attractive Godolphin professor, Joanne Baker, who is anxious to keep the elderly ladies, to help the elderly ladies save Blackbeard's Inn. After a bidding war with the football coach at the charity auction, Steve wins an antique bedwarmer once owned by Blackbeard's 10th wife Alditha Teach who had a reputation of being a witch. Inside the hollow wooden handle of his bedwarmer is hidden a book of magic spells that had once been the property of Alditha. Steve recites on a lark a spell to bring to your eyes and ears one who is bound in limbo unintentionally conjuring up the ghost of Blackbeard who appears as a socially inappropriate drunkard, cursed by his wife to an existence in limbo until he can perform a good deed. Steve and Blackbeard are bound to one another by the power of the spell, and only the very reluctant Steve can see or hear the ghost. As a result, Steve must deal with the antics of the wayward pirate while attempting to retrieve to revive Godolphin's track team and form a relationship with Joanne. Steve is falsely arrested for drunk driving when Blackbeard attempts to drive Steve's automobile, steering it like a pirate ship. Because the arresting officer can't see Blackbeard, 
And because Blackbeard crashed the cop's motorcycle into a tree, Steve spends a night in jail. While in jail, Steve reminds Blackbeard that if he does a good deed, his curse will be broken. Steve asks Blackbeard for his treasure to help the daughters of the Buccaneers save the inn, but Blackbeard admits that he spent all the money. Steve decides not to trust Blackbeard. Steve is released from jail the next morning due to lack of evidence, but is put on probation with the college, forced to win the big track meet or be fired from his position. The problem is that Steve's team is sorrowfully weak and ordinarily do not stand a chance at winning. Blackbeard is firmly told by Steve more than once not to interfere with the boys or his team or the opposing team either. But Blackbeard creates further complications by stealing one of the inn's mortgage payments and betting it on Steve's track team. Blackbeard's intention is to use his ghostly powers to help Godolphin win the track meet and then use the winnings to pay the mortgage in full. Steve is at first outraged by the, by the pirate's interference, but he decides the greater good is to win the money for the sake of the inn. He also accepts the pirate's help in, help in shaking down Silky Seymour and his thugs after Seymour refuses to pay out the winnings from the bet. With the mortgage paid, Blackbeard has performed his good deed and is released from the course. After Steve asks the ladies and Joanne to recite the spell, thereby rendering Blackbeard visible to them, Blackbeard bids them all a cordial goodbye and departs to join his former crew, leading Steve and Joanne to pursue their future together. The end. Alright. I don't know why they started this movie kind of dropping us in the middle of a movie, if you know what I mean, because when Dean Jones arrives, we don't know anything about him, but suddenly he's the track and field coach at Godolphin College, which kind of makes me think that they're in the Miami area, but I think there's not. I'm trying to find out where this movie was actually supposed to be based, and it's not... Oh, New England. Uh, I'm not... I. Oh my gosh, don't, don't tell me this is set in New England, because that's... I don't think Blackbeard ever stayed in New England. Well... <sighs> You know what? The movie says otherwise. Um, okay. Because his like ship like crashed. Is it is it crashed? I don't know. Shipwrecked. Yes, that's the word. He was shipwrecked there, so uh, it did happen okay. in this fictional world. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess we'll allow it since it was in the fictional world of Blackbeard's Ghost, mm-hmm. which is actually based on a book known as Blackbeard's Ghost. Written in 1965. I might actually read that. Yeah, it, it actually doesn't look half bad. So, like I said, we immediately get thrown into this. We find out that Dean Jones... Steve Walker. Yes, Steve Walker is has been hired as the Godolphin College track coach. And he pulls up into... What was it? My brain is, like, not even working tonight. What was the name of the place that he actually stayed at? Blackbeard's Inn. I'm looking right at it and I can't see it. So. <laughs> Which... Now, like, we meet him at the gas station and then he's like asking, I think, the attendant for directions to Blackbeard Inn or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can I can show you how to get there. Yeah. And the attendant turns out to be the shot putter for the track team. Mm-hmm. And this kid is like five foot two, 
maybe 95 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, and he can't, like, lift the, like, crate of bottles or whatever. So it's like, okay, we instantly know without anyone saying, um, this is not a good track team. You bite your tongue. This is the best track team that this college has ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Which may not be saying much, but... So, yeah, so he shows up to Blackbeard's Inn. Thank you. Once again, it's it's late here on the eastern seaboard on the same time zone as Blackbeard's Inn. And he's he gets there at during a raffle slash carnival where all the old ladies who actually run the inn are out doing various sundry things, selling pies, doing fortunes. So... He pulls up to the inn, and, uh, like, first of all, did they build a set for the outside of this inn? No. They stuck in a really terrible drawing, like, painting or something that's supposed to be the inn at night. And um, it's it's bad. And I guess that's okay, (laughs) because, like, they're talking about how the inn is, like, in terrible shape, it looks like it's falling apart, and the artwork is pretty bad. Yeah, so so maybe that was the whole reason why they threw up a very bad. But considering the fact that Blackbeard had had his number of scrapes with privateers and with British ships and things like that, it might actually because the inn itself was actually built out of pieces of his ship. Yeah, it says like sh- like various shipwrecks or something and and the old ladies there are um descendants of his crew or something and they're all wearing sashes that say daughters of the buccaneers yes (laughs) d-o-t-b not the tampa bay buccaneers which would be a totally different movie that will probably be released in 20 years with sons of gronk and children of brady and and we're just gonna leave that one there so i'm gonna stop well, actually, I'm going to go on a little bit, and I'm going to stop when they actually get to his room. So, apparently, the whole reason for the carnival slash auction was the daughters of the of the Buccaneers had taken out a loan, and they couldn't, and they were about to be foreclosed on. And, of course, there's a local... Uh, what's the best way to put it? Yeah, what is he, like, really... I think I put that he's, like, a... He's not a mob boss, and he's not, he's kind of a casino boss. Yeah, he's a a pit boss, but he's got aspirations of tearing down this old inn and putting up a casino right there in the middle of the harbor. Yeah. So, the, so Steve goes in, he's told where to go find the lady that's supposed to be running the um, front desk, and she's out running a fortune teller's place and she is really into character really like calling him weird like she calls him ishmael and he's like no i'm steve walker and she just keeps calling him ishmael and she reads his fortune because there's no way that she's gonna let him out of the booth without doing that yeah but i thought this part was i mean it's obviously kind of weird but it also, like, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it seemed to kind of foreshadow the rest of the movie. Um, so it wasn't completely pointless, I guess. But, 
yeah, she's just like, oh, be sure to leave a tip or whatever. Yeah, so so he drops a couple of dollars in the jar and then walks out, and then they start the actual auction, which was the big ticket item for the night. Well, first he locks eyes with um, Joanne Baker, played by Suzanne Plachette, and is instantly, like, he lights up because she's standing by the kissing booth. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he's going to get a smooch from her and it turns out she's not working there. Well, uh-huh. that's because it was, he was her, she was his wife from the ugly dachshund. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it, it was cute that like, she's like, no, I'm not the kissing booth girl. And so he kisses the kissing booth girl for a dollar. And suddenly she's jealous. And it's like, how about the $5 special? And then plants, plants one on it. And he's like digging out more money, like more of that. And she's like, no, one per customer. I'm sorry. Yeah. And And then the auction starts. And so, yeah, you, you know that, you know, from this, that we've got the, the romantic attraction between these two and they actually do have very good romantic interaction. It's not like some other movies that we've had, like, um, oh, I don't know. Haley Mills and come on. He went to Leo from the. Oh, Moon Spinners. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but yeah, that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, these two are good together. And I like how their characters just like, they're instantly drawn to each other. It establishes like, oh, they've met and they like each other. And then like, it makes the rest of their relationship, like their, their relationship in the rest of the movie doesn't need to be like hyper-focused on. It's just understood like they like each other. Yeah, they like each other, and they don't know that they like like each other until later on in the movie, and we'll get to that later on in the movie. So the auction happens, and the mob boss, pit boss, casino boss, whatever is whatever he, he is, his name is Silky, because obviously his name is Silky. It should be slimy, because he's real slimy. But is he satisfying? That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had to do it because you brought out the slimy and it's a Lion King, so oh. we'll, 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 we'll drop it. Oh, okay. Now I'm caught up. Now, yeah, I get it. No, yeah. No, he's not satisfying. He's gross. <laughs> so he, he he starts walking around telling people that the items that they're bidding on aren't actual legit props. or They're not legit items. They're all props or knockoffs or fakes or something like that. And so Steve, being the good, loving, caring person that he is, starts a bidding war over a, it was a... um, Warming pan? Yes, a warming pan, which was from Blackbeard's 10th wife, Talditha. Aldita. Yeah. A a bed warming pan, or an antique bed warmer. I had to look up what that was. Like, they were... Heated, and they would, like, I guess, leave them on the bed. Yeah, so I actually know about this because my mom was born in the 1920s, and her mom actually had one. You'd actually put, like, coals from your fireplace or from your fern or from your um, stove in it and actually put it under your covers. So that way you'd be all nice and warm when you actually got into bed. Yeah, nice and toasty. That's nice. Yes. So he wins the... He wins the auction for this bed warmer. 
and pays what three hundred dollars for it? Yeah, two, three hundred, something like that. Some outrageous figure. I think it's two hundred because he like in a, you know within like five minutes he's like breaking it. He's like two hundred bucks. Yeah. Like oh dang it. <laughs> Yeah, and so then after the auction's over, of course, he runs back into Suzanne Plachette, and more sparks fly, Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, well, y'all made enough to be able to take care of the, to take care of the loan. She's like, no, not even close. We owe some exorbitant amount. It's like 35,000 or something like that. A lot. But the owner of the place is, she takes Steve up to the up to his room, which this is where I'm going to stop. This room looked awesome because it was actually out of the it was the captain's quarters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Disney hasn't latched onto this as a potential hotel place. Because I mean, especially with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you'd have. People that would come in just to be able to stay in Blackbeard's place or Jack Sparrow's place or something like that. Yeah, that was a it was a cool room. Yeah, and so after he gets to the awesome room, sits down on the bed warmer, breaks, finds a book of hidden spells from Miss mm-hmm. Teach. Aldita. I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. So. I got you. <laughs> so he starts reciting spells just to just to see if anything actually happens and Peter Houston also. Yeah. The um, special effects for his like apparition into the room were so bad. Um, I mean, it was like cute cause it, you know, it's 1967, but just like a weird, like red cloud. And then he just kind of gradually appears in it and then sticks the sword in his, in Steve's face. Because, because he doesn't realize that he's a that he's back in modern times, for lack of a better term. Yeah, he he's just there. He doesn't really yeah seem to know when he is, just where he is, I guess. Yes, and he's in his he's in his captain's quarters, and of course he's going to go to sleep. And this is where the movie starts to take off, in my opinion, because. Yeah. Steve's like, all right, well, you stay here. I'm going to go get a place down at the other hotel. Yeah, he's like, he seems like he's freaked out at first, but just like, all right, well, I guess I need to get out of here. But little does he know that Blackbeard is attached to him at the hip. Yeah, there's no escaping Blackbeard. Or Blackbeard's ghost. You can't escape Blackbeard's ghost. Yes. And I start finding issues with the movie here. And, uh, and at the same time, I'm loving the movie because it's so wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. Because somehow Blackbeard can control the car. I think he's like, he's just like curious about it. So he like starts messing with the wheel or something. This It, it really does go um, off the rails pretty fast. Um, like the car's just everywhere. Because he's, like, interfering. Because he's like, how does this work? Like, there's an animal underneath this making it run. And I just, um, I thought, okay, this is, like, all of the fun, like, movie tropes of, like, what if you took somebody from the past and dropped them in the future? Mm -hmm. 
and they don't know what anything is. Yeah, so so they're 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 just going along trying to figure things out, and it's and Steve meanwhile is just trying to control it to get to wherever he's going to get to. Yeah, what the other hotel, whatever it was. Yeah, which apparently was the better hotel in Godolphin, and of course. With Steve swerving all over the road, of course, there's going to be a cop that shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pull him over. And Steve's like, well, I haven't been drinking. And somewhere during the scuffle to control the car, Blackbeard drops his bottle of rum. Yeah. And it breaks. So we, we haven't even mentioned yet um, that nobody can see Blackbeard or hear him except, except Steve. for Steve. Yes. So, like, so when the cop shows up, of course... Like you said, he's dropped the rum, and so he like picks up on the smell and and is like convinced that it's Steve. But then, like when all the other things start to happen, like Blackbeard's on the motorcycle and crashing the motorcycle, um, yeah, and picking up the gun and starting to fire the gun. And that's this, actually that's another point that I actually had a problem with because I don't think. Patrolmen actually were carrying nine millimeters. Not yet, anyway. Not yeah, not in 1965 or whenever this was actually. But yeah, the the fact that the fact that Blackbeard just jumps on the motorcycle and starts taking off, and yet Steve still ends up in jail for <laughs> for drunk yeah. in public and obviously destruction of police property and so many other things, and then Blackbeard. Of course, he's along with him, and he's got another bottle of rum. It is never discussed where that bottle of rum came from. Uh-huh. Later on in the movie, you see him go in, pick up the bottle of rum, and actually carry it out. And I'll just see his little bottle going out the door. This bottle just magically, deliciously appears. I wonder if he like stole it from the inn before they left. But like, so um. Backing up just a little bit before before we or when we first meet the officer, like Blackbeard's kind of got control of the car and mm-hmm. they're driving, swerving all over. The cop like goes up a light pole to avoid getting hit by the car, and it's just like that funny um, thing of like where there's action happening and they speed it up. So he just like mm-hmm. flies up this light pole. That made me laugh, and then the whole motorcycle crash stuff had me laughing um oh at some point right before they crash blackbeard is sitting on the hood of the car while it's going and then they stop he like falls off the side of the car somehow and he shouts man overboard that part made me spit my drink i laughed i don't know why it was so funny but it just was just the action of him falling off the car and then him shouting that it was just so good yeah, this this movie made me laugh a bunch more than last week's movie, which for those of you who did not tune in, go back and listen. You'll get your money's worth because this podcast is free. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that was why when I started watching it, I was like, this movie is a whole lot better. When I was texting you about it, yeah, like that was encouraging. So I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but you had said, like, all this happens with the motorcycle and whatever that's all Blackbeard's doing. But because he's invisible to everyone, Steven's up in jail. 
Yeah. And uh, like, I know we wouldn't have a movie um, without that happening, but like, I just thought, why is this cop arresting him when like, he's clearly just ha- like seen something supernatural happen? Oh, and, I, and I'm thinking the reason for that is because he has to, I mean, he has to at least take Steve in cause he's got the, the smell of alcohol in the car, <laughs> even though it's a convertible, but I think he might have spilled some or something, but yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, they, the the, the bottle sense. the bottle somehow broke during the whole Blackbeard falling overboard or whatever, and he had spilled some in the actual car, mm-hmm. and Steve got mad at that. So, regardless, it was not a good first night for Steve and Godolph, but no. he he get he gets out. Oh, and... while they're in jail, like we find out that like Aldita was like mad at him. A black beard and like trapped his ghost here or whatever. And, like the only way he's going to get released is if he does a good deed or something like that. Yeah, we we find out the reason that Blackbeard hasn't ascended or descended for for whatever. And of course, this is this is my one other criticism because I mean, once again, I, I want to have a pirate in my family. <laughs> so I love reading stuff on Blackbeard, and just the fact that they made him into a crying, blubbering crybaby that took me out of the out of the movie for a moment because none of the books that I've read have him as anything other than this imposing, larger than life character who will go into a gunfight with actual candles tied into his beard. Yikes! Exactly, Peter Ustinov. I love the man, but Blackbeard, he was not in that one moment. Yeah, he's not, like, super scary. Like, well, he's not scary at all in this. But that's part of what makes it fun, too. It's like seeing him, like, be, like, kind of a blubbering, crying mess. Like, it's always fun to see the big scary guy be in that position in a comedy, at least. Yeah, and and this was definitely a comedy. So we cut back to Godolph in college, and the football coach mm-hmm. is there talking to the, I guess it's the dean. Yeah, the dean. And of course, Suzanne's there because she and the coach are supposed to be dating, I guess. They're well, and I think they're like advisors somehow. But she's, um, or she's like on the welcome committee for new staff or something. Mm-hmm. They're discussing like whether to keep him on or let him go right away. And for some reason, the football coach has a letter on his jersey. He has the actual Godolphin G on his shirt like he's a letterman from college. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that, first of all, does not make sense. But I guess if you want to think that you're big and bad, you give yourself a letter at the beginning of every season instead of whatever. So... They figure, well, let's go ahead and let him shoot himself in the foot with this track team, which is a complete and total and utter disaster. Mm-hmm. But Wait, How did they all get onto a competitive college track team if they're that bad? Maybe it was one of those things where it said, open tryouts, no one turned away. Yeah. <laughs> well, the dean says, uh, he says something like, or Steve, Steve says, I'm looking forward to restoring your confidence in the track team. And he's like, well, I never had any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, like, Steve gets there and finds out, oh, they're really as bad as everyone has been saying. Yeah. 
But, of course, Blackbeard, trying to win his way out of limbo, decides he's going to ship these boys into ship, shop, ship, shape, shape. Mm -hmm. I think, um, like, he realizes, and I can't remember, like, when they have this conversation, but he, like, oh, I think it's, like, after the track practice, he's, like, you know, we could, uh, like, gamble and win, like, we could bet on this team and mm-hmm. win the money. Like, I could help them win, and then it's a sure thing. You'll get all the money that you need for the old ladies, and mm-hmm. and that'll save the thing, and, and that'll be my good deed. Yeah. And Steve is just like, no, we can't do that. That's cheating. Yeah. And so somehow Steve gets his welcome dinner with Suzanne, and they go off to the only good upstanding place in town, which happens to have a backroom casino. Yeah, it's Silky's place. Yes. And she just happens to have the $900. Was that how much it was for the... Yeah, it was $900. And she just, like, takes it out and leaves it on the table for a second. Yeah. And then she puts it back in her bag. And, of course, Blackbeard's along for the ride because, I mean, he's joined at Steve's hip. And he sees the money and he's like, well, let's go ahead and... And make that bet just so that way I can get out of here. Yeah. So this like the sequence of him like trying to steal the money, I thought went on a little bit too long. But it was satisfying that he tripped the waiter to like cause him to fall or whatever, and mm-hmm. and that's what helped him steal the money. I thought that was funny. But yeah. So Blackbeard takes the money. Somehow develops, well, I guess he just walked over with the money and put it in the place of the of the guy that was betting on the horse race. Mm-hmm. And somehow he's learned how to write perfect cursive for Go Dolphin to win the track meet. Yeah, so he makes the big bet that Steve has forbidden. Yes. And, um... and of course, Silky approves it because he's like, hey, this is easy money. Give him 50 to 1 odds, which is... $45,000, quick math. But, yeah, which would more than enough take care of the outstanding loan and everything like that. And so he puts the money in and goes back and and no one is none the wiser because, once again, at the end, he trips the waiter and the waiter... <laughs> he ends up with ice cream on his head, which, that was funny. That was a fun visual. And that poor waiter is like, he, you could just see how demoralized he is. And they're like, here, like they leave a tip or whatever. Um, also, several times throughout this restaurant scene is when we see him, uh, we see Blackbeard stealing rum from the bar. Yes. And like there are three or four bottles I think he goes through and there's there's not a single one of them that's not funny. Yeah. I mean, the the whole movie was... It was good fun, despite the fact that it teaches kids that it's okay to bet, despite the fact that pretty much your parents tell you not to, because in the end it's all going to work out, but then does it. Yeah, so, like, suddenly it's track meet time, like, Joanne has discovered the missing money, and then they, like, deduce that um, it's been bet on the, the, oh, because she fought in place of the cash, she finds like the betting ticket or whatever. And I think she thinks that Steve has done it. And he's like, Oh, it's not Blackbeard. And cause he, 
I, we didn't mention this, but during the dinner, he's like trying to tell her what's happening. Mm-hmm. And she's just, cause she's a psychologist, psychologist. She's like, Oh, okay. Like, and how do you feel about that or whatever? Yeah. And so she doesn't believe him during any of this. And I think they had two weeks to get prepared for the track meet. So my question with that is if you've got two weeks that you're walking around with this money or allegedly walking around with this money in your wallet, mm-hmm. why wasn't there a confrontation right until right before it was Steve's time to take his team out to the to the track? Don't you think that should have been the next morning? Well, like, I wonder if there's, like, some time between, like, she's been carrying the money around. She says she's, like, when they're at dinner, she says she's taking it to the bank the next day because she didn't Mm -hmm. want to leave it in her house or whatever, um, or her apartment. I don't remember. And uh, that's when Blackbeard steals it. So, like, there must be some time missing from, like, even before that. Because you would think they wouldn't be taking bets on that that far well maybe they would i don't know how gambling works (laughs) i think you could place a bet at any time prior to the actual start of the event so i mean it might have been a week later it might have been the very next day after the auction yeah regardless there's some period of time between when the bet was made and when she decides to confront steve about why did you do this Oh, well, it wasn't me. It was Blackbeard. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, she's, like, not happy. Yeah, because now she's like, I got to explain to the daughters of the of the Buccaneers that you don't, that we don't have any money right now. And so, meanwhile, Steve tries to give his team a pep talk. And the guy that was working at the, at the, um gas station is the most excited about the whole thing mm-hmm. and so he walks out everybody walks out and steve hears crying and he walks in to see a dead man trying to drink rubbing alcohol <laughs> yeah exactly it's 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 that crazy and outlandish and of course steve has to try to stop him because nobody drinks rubbing alcohol. no so like the track meet stars like it's at night for some reason um i guess because it's a big event yeah but like so of course blackbeard secretly placed the bet and now he's gonna do what he said he was gonna do and cheat to help them win and um a lot of really funny things happen here and i just it made me think of the fight scene in Bullwhip Griffin, where it was like, okay, this is kind of the same joke over and over, and it's going on too long, but it's, you're having so much fun, that yeah. you don't care. Like, I would sit through half an hour of this. Yeah, and and, it, and it's one of those things where you expect, I mean, in typical Disney fashion, either one or two things is going to happen. Either Go Dolphin's going to totally shock the world and actually be good at something, or, which... Spoilers, on a 53-year-old movie, that doesn't happen. <laughs> or Blackbeard's going to come in, save the day, and there will be much rejoicing in the streets of Godolph. Spoiler, that almost doesn't happen. So Blackbeard lets the first, what, three or four events go by, and he's just up there eating. and Just having, having fun. Yeah, having a good old time, because he can't do anything 
except watch because he's been strictly forbidden to interfere in the events of mortal men which i mean once again if you're a ghost you can do whatever you want nobody's really going to stop you but so the announcer for the event is clearly biased for buxton or broxton and you could tell that from the word go because he's like and lowly little go dolphin college is also here just because they're always here but we don't expect much out of them and of course when you start seeing some of the events you got the shot putter from broxton who looks like the 1960s version of kevin james <laughs> he did. i thought that too and this is this is where the the events actually start to get interfered with by blackbeard because he's tired of seeing godolphin lose and so somehow the shot putter drops the ball or it goes up and then goes straight down and it just shocks the announcer and of course the little car attendant guy throws it for a new record well because blackbeard like gets it and then it's just like kind of he's bouncing it along like a little bouncy ball (laughs) through the air which everyone's like oh my gosh what's happening but no one questions it enough to like disqualify anything um the high jump kid is what really made me laugh because he gets up there and ends up flipping over the bar twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the high jumper is he is um, helped. The shot putter is helped. The um, pole vaulter for Bruxton gets his pole cut in half. And of course he can't can finish his. And of course um, Blackbeard helps the pole vaulter to win. And mm-hmm. so the, the scores start to, accumulate for godolphin and suddenly the announcer is starting to try to figure out what's going on and he has to put his glasses back on because he can't believe what he's seeing mm-hmm. and all the like meanwhile steve is just like outraged that blackbeard is cheating to help his team win and even goes so far as like trying to like get the results recalled yeah so while his team is moving up in the standings and is currently tied, Steve's over at the judge's table saying, no, you can't allow this. This isn't right. Can't you see what's actually happening? Which, of course, they can't because it's an invisible ghost to everybody but him. And so it all comes down to the relay rate, as per every track and field meet ever known to man. Not that I'm the high and mighty, all-knowing track meet person, but... They go around three times, and Blackbeard is just laying over on the the um, pole vault mat, just watching, eating a hot dog. Yeah, because Steve is like, I forbid you to, like, he, they argue, and he, like, gets him to stop helping. Like, he makes him mad enough that he's like, okay, fine, I won't, I won't do it anymore. Him laying over there, like, just lounging, all casual, eating his hot dog, made, I don't know why, but that made me bust up laughing yes i I mean this if it weren't for the fact that my son was sleeping in the other room i probably would have been laughing louder than normal so they go around three times and suddenly steve convinces blackbeard all right well if you're going to go ahead and do it you better go ahead and do it yeah steve's like feeling guilty because he realizes oh if if i keep like complaining and don't let him help then those little old ladies are going to 
be out on the street. Yeah, and he'll be out on the street because he's still staying at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the first runner gets the... He doesn't get the um, baton. Instead, he gets the bottle. Yeah. The second so, one gets the hot dog, and the third one gets the the little go-dolphin pendant. Yeah, this was really fun of, of Blackbeard just, like, sticking different things in their hands before they really get the real baton. And the, like, runners that are holding the batons are just like, what the heck? They're all so confused. Yeah, and so... They're about halfway around when they realize what's happened, and of course they have to go back and get the batons, and this leads to a whole cluster. Mm-hmm. Which allows the Godolphin Godolphin to take the lead, just barely. Yeah, and so finally the batons have been retrieved, which I want to say is not legit in actual track and field. If you drop the baton, you're disqualified. Mm-hmm. But I never ran track and field. I was a cross-country runner in, in high school, so I can neither confirm nor deny those allegations. Yeah, I no, I'm, I think that's right. Like, in reality, you, you can't drop it. And so, like, the fact that they're all, like, the batons are, like, not tangled, but like kind of jumbled up on the ground with the hot dog and the bottle and the pennant. And um, it's just, it's a whole mess. But Godolphin wins. Yes, thanks to Blackbeard picking up the Godolphin runner because he is pretty much give out of steam and collapses right probably 10 yards from the, from the finish line because he's probably never run that far before. Yeah. But yeah, so they end up winning. And we cut back to the Blackbeard's Inn, where Stowcroft is out stoking the fires with the billows because they're going to burn the um, they're going to burn the loan papers at midnight once they get the money from Slick Slimy Silky. Mm-hmm. But and I actually look to see how much time was left in the movie, and I'm like, wait, are we missing something? Because there's still a lot of time left, and Obviously, this isn't going to be rectified right now. And no, because Silky reneges on the on the bet, says there's no way that you're going to be able to, you shouldn't get this. Here, here's a little bit of cash. Go on, help them out as best you can. Yeah, and well, it's like they they were supposed to win forty five thousand dollars, and he's just like, nope, not doing it. And um, so I think he gives them back the nine hundred. He's like, here's your here's your initial bet. Go and give them to him and let him have a little something. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's in his best interest to not pay out because he's about to take over this property. So um, I thought that the, like, we go on then to um, uh, Steve and Joanne are, like, going to shake him down. Yeah. Which is, like, you think that this movie can't go any more off the rails. (laughs) And then it does. Like, he gives them the opportunity to win the money again, like in roulette, which of course Blackbeard is interfering. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole like game is rigged. Yeah. Which once, once I started, once they started winning, I'm like, there's no way he's actually going to let them walk out of there with the money, but this isn't that kind of movie. 
So obviously they're going to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after the roulette game, when they're like, we won. Um, and they, they like collect their money and then um, Silky's goons like find them. And we have the weirdest, funniest movie shootout scene I have ever seen because there's no guns. It's implied that there are guns, but they're using finger guns. I I was like, wait, where where are we where are we going with this? And then I remembered, yeah. So so it's do do, do you watch South Park? No. Okay. There is an episode of South Park, and this is going to show you how off the rails this movie is, <laughs> where the four kids are playing cops, and they've got their little finger guns, and they're starting a shootout with four bad guys, and it's like it's real guns because the cops are actually behind them doing the actual shooting. <laughs> In this movie, Dean Jones and Suzanne Blachette are pointing their fingers at Silky's goons and pulling the trigger by pushing down their thumbs and Blackbeard is bonking them on the head. Yeah. And they're going down and it it's hilarious. It's, but it's the, the goons are pointing finger guns at them too. Yeah, that what that the part world? Well, I mean it's a it's a Disney movie, so I mean we can't really have them pulling guns yeah. until it's just yeah. Until it's just Blackbeard trying to take all the bullets. Yeah, it's just, like, I thought I had missed something. Because I, like, looked... The first time I watched this, I looked away. And so, like, <laughs> then I look up and they're all shooting each other with finger guns. I'm like, I must have missed something. But then, when I watched it again, there it is. Like, no, I don't <laughs> think I missed anything. It's just weird and silly. And, it, like... I don't know who made this decision, but I want to high-five them because it made the movie even better than I thought it could have been. Yeah, it. you you, th- you think the movie has plateaued at, the, at this point after they actually got their money and they're going to make their getaway. But no, it takes a large leap up when once everybody starts shooting, shooting like a shootout with seven-year-old kids in their backyard. Yeah. It's so good. So... After the, quote, shootout, then Silky tells the goons just to go ahead and bum rush. And Blackbeard just starts laying into all of them, and he starts knocking them down, knocking them around, knocking them out, throwing them over. He throws Silky into the fixed roulette table, and he tells them to go ahead and get out of there, and he'll be along shortly. And so they make it back to the beach, with just seconds to spare, hand over the money to the loan officer, and then they get the the loan paperwork, and mm-hmm. then there's this empty boat that just starts floating up towards the towards the um the beach. Yeah, like they're getting ready to burn the mortgage, and yeah. uh, like I think don't they offer Steve like they're gonna let Steve do it or something? Yeah, they were they were gonna let him do it, and he's like, "No, y'all need to let the person that's really responsible for it." But in order to do that, y'all all have to repeat after me. Mm-hmm. And he like recites the spell again from the book earlier. Yeah, and they, and they all repeat after him, and of course we have the big red hazy step into the into the entrance and everything like that. And uh-huh. and so. Blackbeard makes this big, soaring, swooping speech. Mm-hmm. The ladies are all just, like, beside themselves because, oh my gosh, it's him! Yes. 
It's cute. <laughs> and he pretty much tells Steve to beware all winches. Exact words from the movie. Had to yeah. rewind it to make sure I said that right. <laughs> and then Suzanne Plachette tells Steve, I loved you when I thought you were nuts. And they burn the paper and Blackbeard floats off into the great unknown where his boat is somewhere sitting waiting yeah. for him. He's like reunited with his crew. Yes. And they're all like, where have you been all this time? He's like, oh, well, I've got some stories to tell you. And that's that. Yeah. And they did have one um, more, I'm not going to say a mistake, but the skull and crossbones was not Blackbeard's flag. Mm-hmm. When he was flying, he actually had his own um, specialized flag made up. That if I can find the picture, but I don't know how I want to do that now that I don't have my um, other profile. But, yes, it was definitely a better movie than last week. Of course, Those Callaways was a better movie than last week. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so Roger Roger Ebert said that this was Disney's best since The Absent-Minded Professor. So, like, it was pretty well-reviewed mm-hmm. at the time. Um I thought, yeah, it was. This was really fun. Yeah, and it may it has an eighty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, not ninety-six percent. Like, was it that darn cat? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Okay, so I mean, it's 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 getting very good ratings even now from Rotten Tomatoes. So this will definitely be one that will go into my repeat file just because it's. It's a boatload of fun, no pun intended. It has... That's just like... <laughs> I'm caught up now, and that is funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like a super delayed reaction just then. That's fine. It's got something for everybody. It's got your love story. It's got shoot 'em up but with finger guns. Oh, so fun. Um, it's got overcoming... Oh, yeah, one thing that I... That I don't even think I put down in the notes was when the Dean started seeing the track team start to win. He starts yelling and and cheering for him. And he tells the football coach that he never did like football. Yeah. That was, that was really funny. He's like, I hate it. But he's getting real excited about the track team. finally. Yes. Yes, But now what's going to happen now that Blackbeard's gone, are they going to revert back to their own, yeah, like, there was, um, in between, like, before they went to, like, try to get the money, um, it, there was a scene of Steve, like, packing his stuff up, and Blackbeard's like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I know I can't stay here, because we can't do that again. Yeah. So, there will not be a Blackbeard's ghost to Electric Boogaloo. Did we miss any notes from you? I don't think so. All right, well, it's time for the three important questions. What is today's impact on this movie? Or is there an impact on the movie? I don't think there would be. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Like, if you wanted to make the same movie but set in today's time, you could. Yeah. Like, it would look different. But it's because it's not 1967 anymore. Yeah, you you definitely have better graphics. You'd probably have... Oh, I mean, yeah, you probably still have this the week spindly guys for Godolphin. and you'd have probably chris evans 
<laughs> and let's see, I'm trying to think. Who would be the um, Elizabeth Olsen? So that way you can go ahead and keep your keep all of your Marvel people wanting to see this movie just to see what they're making. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, like, the money stuff would be done differently. Like, you don't bet with cash. Well, I don't know. Maybe you bet with cash. I well, if you're I in a if you're in a backwoods or not a backwoods, if you're in a backroom casino, you probably would still be betting with cash. It wouldn't be that part. Yeah, I could see where that would be a little bit different, but I mean, the guy's probably doing everything underneath the table so that way he doesn't get investigated by the IRS. Yeah, I mean, because like we said, he is slimy. So yeah, I mean, I don't think you'd have to change much. All right. Is this mirrored in culture? We've got Blackbeard in the now-canceled Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, I mean, Blackbeard was, like, kind of known, well, not kind of, he was known before this, mm-hmm. and of course long after, so. As far as anything else, I can't, like, besides the titular character, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if there's anything at Disney that even has Blackbeard other than the the um, Pirates movies, for obvious reasons. Um, was, he was actually in... I thought I saw something. Hey, Icky, call in. Let us know. <laughs> or, if you know of something that we're at one of the Disney parks, you can write us at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com or um shoot me a facebook message because when when you see the when you see the um episode come out you can send me something and we'll read you on live on the air well live as in whatever you know what i'm saying all right well third question how does it fit into today's society i mean we said if you if you change out the main characters with the day's hunks and hunkettes is that the proper term? I don't know what, what we would even call a... Um, babes and dudes. <laughs> okay. We'll go with it. it. It could be remade today, and it would probably... Because you would have people that are familiar with Blackbeard from Pirates of the Caribbean, and you'd be like, well, let's go ahead and see what this is about. And they could probably use the same book and just oomph it up a little bit for modern... And make it into a musical starring Lynn manuel Miranda. You know, I was actually thinking earlier, um, what if they did this? Like, I know they did Muppet Treasure Island, but mm-hmm. what if this was a Muppet movie? Oh, my goodness. I would watch it. Yeah, that would, that would definitely be something to watch. I know. Now I'm like, hmm, who would we cast as what part? But that's probably going to extend this episode length by half an hour <laughs> if we start that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd have to keep Blackbeard as a live-action, yeah. quote-unquote live-action person. You'd probably, has Pep, you'd probably have Pepe as the shot putter. Kermit as the track coach. Yeah. Miss Piggy as the love interest. Yeah. Ooh, I like where this is going. Fozzie is the, um, is the dean. <laughs> Sam the American Eagle is the football coach. Oh, my gosh. Disney, please, if you're listening, make this happen. Yes. I'm just... or, if, or if someone that is listening knows people at Disney, have them contact us. We could get this going for y'all. I'm filled with joy at the thought of it. 
Disney's Blackbeard's Disney's Muppets Blackbeard's Ghost. Coming soon to Disney Plus. Please. From your mouth to God's ear. Yes. Alright. Well, do we have anything else before we go and throw this in the river that got changed from the flood? No. I just I hope that people will watch this. I had I didn't have any expectations and uh it took me a little bit to get into, I'll be honest, but um, once once it got going, it was really fun. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun watch. Of course, like I said several times, I'm a Blackbeard fan, so I'm, I'm good with anything that's got Blackbeard in it. Whether it's a John Malkovich Blackbeard or uh, whoever played him in Pirates, we'll get to them in about 20 years, so... If they haven't been canceled off of Disney Plus by the but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Next week we have another fun movie. We are moving right on through the sixties. We are coming up to another Dean Jones vehicle. Definitely pun intended. It is the love bug. So that's your homework. You have I can't remember who's and we are not talking about the nineteen nineties remake of the Love Bug. Because we will cover that one probably about 10 years or so. So that's your homework. It is a fun one. Icky did a um, movie trivia night on that one back during Corona Part 1. So until we talk to you next week, stay safe, stay hungry, and stay off the policeman's bike. (laughs) Night, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP.com at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Okay, boys. Come on over there, Joanne. Come on. Make with the muscle. All right, boys. Make your play. And now for Mr. Seymour.